0: Welcome to the podcast of The Urban Mystic. This is season two where we meet with fellow deconstructors, fellow journeymen and journeywomen, to hear the story of their first experience of God, calling to ministry, deconstruction and present journey. This is a bonus episode where we explore some insights sparked by conversations during
1: the season. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Urban Mystic Podcast. We are now, sure, like two-thirds of the way through season two, um, having crunched through quite a number of of fantastic guests that have joined us in conversation on their deconstruction, their experiences of God, their relationship to the institution of the church, and then an incredibly varied offering in terms of what people have done sort of either post-church or remaining within church, grappling with institution, moving on, and just some fantastic people that have spoken into this space. So if you're just joining us now in season two, thank you for joining us. Firstly, good to have you on board. Head back if you want to into season one. Tim and I have some interesting conversations there, kind of more around the theoretical and some of our own thinking leading into this conversationally based season, which is number two. Or just jump around within season two and enjoy the guests that we've got on there. I was chatting with someone the other day and they were saying it's, it's so cool. It's a bit like going to a buffet. And they're just jumping around season two and experiencing this guest and then that guest. So lovely to have you on board with us. Thank you for joining us. Um, To those of you who've been listening faithfully since the very beginning, we know who you are. You know, we know where you live. We're going to come there and hug you one of these days. Thank you for the support and the interest and, um, you know, just sticking around for this very exciting journey. We've loved to have some of your feedback. It's been really exciting to hear your thinking uh, some of your challenges, some of your questions around what we've been um, just exploring. And I really want to use that word advisedly, exploring together. You know, Tim and I, I don't think are trying to write a handbook just yet uh, in terms of the do's and don'ts. We're not laying down rules. We are we are curious and we are wandering around and picking things up and making comments and moving on and thinking as critically as we can around this really, really important topic So thank you for joining us. Thank you for your support so far. I'd also just like to invite anyone who's listening to to connect with us. We love to hear feedback. We love to have spin-off conversations from the conversations we've been having either one-on-one or you know you can get together with us too together you know we'll just keep this wonderful conversation going so a big thank you tonight we're going to talk around two sort of key areas which are really fascinating as we have just finished up with Brian McLaren and David Haywood's conversations and so this bonus episode is going to look at the idea of acceptance versus rejection in deconstruction And specifically how differently that can play out, you know, as varied as deconstruction is, people's response to it can also be incredibly varied from, wow, that's wonderful, highly affirming, it's wonderful to see that to the sort of more strict kind of get thee behind me Satan kind of responses that people sometimes pick up. And I know I say that lightly, but sometimes there are some incredibly hurtful responses, people who are asking genuine questions and going into process around their deconstruction. And then we're also, if we get time, uh, we're going to dig into this idea of deconstruction and breaking with one's tradition as an act of faithfulness. And I'm just going to kind of leave that there for now. Um, and when we get into it, we'll, we'll, sort of, we'll tease that out a little bit, because some of you might be thinking, what do you mean, deconstructing and breaking with tradition as faithfulness. Surely that's being unfaithful. That was one of my first thoughts when Tim said it to me to start with, and I actually queried him on that. So if you're thinking that, hang with us. We're probably going to get there. But hey, Tim, so cool, man. We've had such a cool journey. And I thought I'd throw the ball over to you on those two topics, and you can kick us off.
0: <laughs> this has just been a phenomenal season. I, you know the guests have been fantastic. I, I must admit, though, that w- when we set out and we structured this, and we wanted to connect with people personally and ask some personal mm. questions and and get into people's journeys, I I have really so thoroughly enjoyed the the the, the depth of vulnerability with which everyone has spoken and with with mm. where, and, and with what they've shared of their journey, and so there's definitely been some things that have been quite surprising. So I feel like what stands out as such a surprising thing for me is just how different Brian McLaren's experience of deconstruction is. Mm. I feel like I'm so much more prepared for the negative. I feel like mm. the journey that 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 someone like David Hayward has had is much more the norm. It's much more what I'm familiar with. It's much more what I, what I find I process together with people. What I connect with people about is the pain that has developed and uh, been created Mm. as they've started deconstructing. What stands out for me is just how supported he was within that. You know, that... Mm. And I realize that, that as I reflect on that, I take a step back and go, isn't it crazy that... Communities that build themselves as being about love and acceptance—that's that's a default. Christianity is a, you know, it's a, it's a religion and a faith whose primary marketing points is love, acceptance, community, etc., etc. The thing that stands out is he has someone who's who who started deconstructing, and what did he experience? He had a positive experience. It's just like what? Hang on. <laughs> you know, In some ways, I, I wanted to pause the conversation with him and just go, just backtrack for me, Brian. Like, how, how did that play out? Are you aware that there's so many people? In fact, for every 99 people that I speak to, there's probably only the one person, and that's possibly even just you. I should actually revise those numbers, <laughs> that has a positive experience. And that's really the first thing, that there's so many... Uh, layers that one can peel off this but I think the first thing that stands out for me is just the sense of having to acknowledge how how rare it is that someone has a positive experience like that
1: absolutely I mean I'm sit- I was sitting there listening while we were chatting with them during the recording just going wow wow that is so rare if I ordered a steak like that in a restaurant it would still be grazing in a field it's like that rare <laughs> I was just I was blown away, and going, what do you, what do you mean? They wanted to go away on a weekend and talk through. Is this your journey or is it our journey? And I remember that that sentence. Who are these people? And like, where did you meet them? Um, it's, it, yeah. I, I'm going to get too flippant now, so I'll stop there. But it just, it blows me away.
0: Yes, the mind-blowing thing. Brian describes himself as as coming to faith within quite a fundamentalist community. That's even more rare. So so, in that sense, I think it's it's just absolutely incredible. It's nice to have two guests whose journeys are so different. I think what is mm. is more more often the case is the experience that someone like david Hayward has. and and of course, we're not really going to unpack and and comment on their journey so much as just use it as a reference point for our for our discussion. but when i when I think of of just those those poignant moments where where you, asked David about what the experience was like, what it felt like. There's so, much, there's so much emotion that comes through. There's so much that people carry for years after leaving the ministry, leaving communities, leaving churches. And, and it just strikes me that that is more the norm, that people are carrying this stuff, and and they're often carrying it silently, and they're, 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 they're carrying it unprocessed. When I listened to David's story, it's just the more common thing, the whole thing of people basically talking about what they think you're saying, and then they're talking about what they think you're saying to other people. And then there's other people who are higher on the food chain, getting mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. you and going, just by the way, we, we, we're hearing some suspicious stuff via the grapevine. Whether we've read mm. your stuff or engaged your stuff or not is less the is less the point. And then there's the whole thing of going, just um, just run this by us, please, in future, before you post anything. Just um <laughs> we, we we've got to give our source of approval for this. And even that just strikes me that it's it doesn't come from a relational foundation at all. And David's from the movement that I I was as well from the vineyard, who prides himself on being an adult to adult, relational community, et cetera, et cetera. And and what he experiences is something that I read as being tremendously unrelational of basically just coming to someone uh, and saying, sorry, run this by us, as opposed to the whole thing of going, um, I've heard some stuff. Let's let meet. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. I'd love to hear what you're saying. Now I don't know what the full process is or, you know, all the details of what happened in that. So of course we, you know, I, I'm not specifically commenting on, on David. I just want to make that clear, but it's something that I've, that's, that i've noted often in conversation with people that that that's more the norm of what they experience i think we see it coming up especially in, in in someone like julie's story who's still coming up in future that's there and in other people's stories as well so many people that i speak to their stories a story like that mm-hmm. as they started asking these questions people talk about them to other people and then people come to them and basically go we're we've already decided we already know what we think you're saying we don't like mm. what you're saying. We don't agree with it. And therefore, we, we, we're placing some kind of moratorium on what you're able mm. to say or who you're able to say it to. And then basically, we're going to shunt you out. And the relationship turns from, from one where you think you're on the same team to one where mm. suddenly you're on the out. You're no longer trusted. You're no longer welcome for your thoughts and your contributions.
1: You know, I, I think as you... As you speak through the relational element there, what really strikes me is that I don't think I've ever had somebody put it to me in these words, but I feel as though the sentiment has come through quite a few times with people I've spoken about is so I'm talking about you know the person in a church position in a leadership position in a some sort of influential position it's it's in some ways it seems to be magnified there a little right because you're going to fall a little further and take a little, take a few more people with you and your damage will be all the greater, et cetera, et cetera, is the sentiment of, you know, I was battling in this time myself, you know, the deconstructor often says, and I I can reflect this from my my own space, and I'll get there, I'll sort of start generally. But there are a lot of people that are are battling through this themselves, you know, they almost want to go, I'm not sure I like what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) They have questions themselves, they're thinking, well, jeepers, you know, I feel as though I'm betraying. Who I've been, I'm betraying God, I'm betraying my relationship with whatever sacred texts, with the institution, with friends, with, mm. you know, I, I just think about people I've had conversations with who talk about, like, what would my colleagues think of me? And you know, there's this huge sort of collegial betrayal feeling of, am I letting the team down? And so these people are not necessarily like gaily running around, burning churches down and nailing theses to doors and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) Some of them are going through just like gut-wrenching and heartbreaking processes as they start to question and as things start to crumble around them. It's not an easy space for them either. And you'd think that an institution, as you say, you know, you said a while back, that is kind of priding itself on relational engagement (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. would kind of go first, are you okay? Even, even if for a moment we excuse the incredibly conservative response, which would be, you're probably going to hell, let's say, within the Christian worldview, because you're asking all these questions, you'd think that would at least have some sort of, yo, we're really worried for you. Are you all right? You're asking all these questions, are you doing okay? How's your family? You know, how's your soul? All those things that over the long run might be teased out and shown to be unhelpful questions. But still, where is the relational engagement? You get a formal letter like a cease and desist. I'm trying to think of, you know, I've, 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 I've followed uh, Jordan Peterson for a while, not because I agree with everything of his, but I find him an interesting thinker. And I, I remember an uh, interview I watched in the last couple of days where he's talking about having received two cease and desist letters from the HR department, the university in Toronto, where he was lecturing. And he's trying to explain to this lecturer, you know, you get three, this interviewer, you get three of those and they kick you out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not like somebody pulled him aside and said, hey, you know, what's going on and, and how are you doing and why are you asking all these questions? You know, take us into the process. It was just this formalized kind of stop it. We don't like that. We're going to throw you away. And I, I looked at that and immediately as I was listening in this interview, I felt the parallels between how people are treated when they deconstruct. It's just too easy, I think, to discard people. And you'd really just left asking, where is the relational care how can you be so caught up in yourself and your own belief system that you can't see that perhaps these people are even going through some really hard things?
0: The the thing that strikes me off the top of my head is a complete lack of empathy, the lack of mm. understanding that someone else is going through a process and it's okay for them to go through a process. For them to go through a process takes nothing away from you. For you to understand that takes nothing away from you. It, it, it actually, you know, there's a relational connection there. And I wonder in some ways, because... You know, Christianity, in many ways, faith is the key thing. You know, you have a relationship with God and you know God by faith and doubt is the opposite of faith. So, therefore, to doubt means mm. that you don't know God and you don't relate to God. It becomes mm. a bit of a, I think, a bit of an unconscious conjunction of the two. The, the, the pastor, the leader, is the answer person. They can't mm. be asking those deconstructive questions. Yeah, And so, that becomes the case. How can someone be the spiritual leader if they are asking questions and if they're asking tough questions, I think what strikes me about all of this is, is to this day we still use language that we borrowed from the, from scholasticism. You know, mm. anyone that's 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 familiar with things like the lecture divina and spirituality, mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a it's a piece of text. Whether it's the Bible or another one that you read, and it's supposed to inform you, and you're supposed to reflect on it, and it's supposed to be you know, edifying and challenging and all that kind of stuff. But Mm. the scholastic method is supposed to take you to the point where you have serious questions and then you enter into disputes about them. And those disputes are are debates. You actually build up a case one way or another. It's part of the process. We've got the former lecture Divino, faith, Mm. but we don't have any of the latter. Whereas whereas that normal process of reading, of engaging, and if you think of much of of, of Scripture, there's so much deconstruction within it, where it's deconstructing mm. the faith itself. It's deconstructing the institutionism, the, the you know circumcision, uh, the, mm. the the rituals and sacrifices, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera. They're deconstructed by the prophets all the way through. Mm. It just it just strikes me that there's there's something quite at odds with modern Christianity, where it doesn't allow that space and allow for questions, and where the relationships can't enable and hold and. And, and be with people through them, and where those things are. You know, it's it's almost like people often reflect on the, the fact that you've got to believe and behave in order to belong. Mm. But the flip side of, the, of that coin is that you have to continue. You can only belong so long as you continue to believe and behave.
1: Mm. And if you don't, then you're out. I guess it doesn't surprise me so much, although I want to say surprise. Perhaps pains me is this... I almost want to call it like super rationalism in a way that, that kind of just sidelines relational, et cetera. I was at a bri the other day, for those of you who are international listeners at a barbecue, <laughs> um, and uh, chatting with someone, and I was just sitting there with possibly my mouth open. I don't know. I had a mask on, so they couldn't pick that up. So, <laughs> But listening to them discuss, essentially what I heard them saying was, Basically, they've got a couple of kids, and one day their kids are going to have to be, be able to reach a rational perspective where they're going to make a rational call on this, you know, this belief first before you can belong thing, and that if they don't, you know, then this then starts suddenly to flow out in the subtext. Well, then his kids are going to hell. <laughs> I'm <sitting there laughs> to this going, Do you realize what you're saying? Like, have you got any idea how relationally defunct that is, it's completely devoid of any sort of relational engagement. It's just a very mm. simple formula. No, well, this is how it works. And if you say the right things and believe the same things, and you know, then you're going to come in and be part of the herd. And if not, then not. Mm. And I sat there listening, going, you know, I almost wanted to just completely confront the person. Like, so in effect, what you're telling me is that if one day, let's have a look at this kid. I mean, they're four, they're playing right there on the grass. You're telling me that that little thing over there, you are quite happy within your relationally you know, sort of voided uh, worldview to just go, there'll be no engagement. It's exactly, you know, as you say, it's if you believe, then you can belong. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you stop believing, you will not belong anymore. And if you don't believe to start with, you're not going to belong. And there's just no dynamism, there's no give and take, there's no back and forth. <laughs> I, just, I almost fell off my chair just listening to this going, well, you know, you, you put that world, that worldview's perspective across very um, succinctly, actually, <laughs> despite <laughs> yeah. the fact that I'm sitting here going, there's just huge holes in this. Yeah. And then it does, it just plays out in this, in this method of interacting socially with each other mm. of, you'll be fine until you step out of line. But as soon as you do, we're going to have to whip you back in or kick you out very quickly because mm. you shake and rattle the paradigm far too much for our comfort. And as you say, it's crazy stacked up against, you know, so much of what I would see in the Christian scriptures in the old, well, let me say the Jewish scriptures, to be fair, in the Old mm-hmm. Testament and, uh, and the, you know, even I see some of the, the reforming work, you know, in the New Testament, it's very, very clear there, the questioning and the, you know, the anti-institutionalism that you talk about. So it's yeah. really strange. It's really is strange. strange. We, should be more, we should be more accepting of process and not be so fixated on it's this or it's that, it's in or it's out, it's up or it's down. Mm. Um, and be able to hold that space with people who are in process. Mm. Um, I, I started reading uh, one of Rachel Held Evans' books today. Uh, it's, okay. it's the first sort of, of her actual books that I've started engaging with. I've read some of her blog work, et cetera. Um, and I've always found her such a, a, quite a fascinating reader, but it's the first book I've approached and in the, in the introduction to this particular one, she, she describes herself as a work as draft, a piece of writing as draft mm. to describe her life in process. And I thought it was so, so just so very well captured. Mm. It's not the final product. The life I'm living now, if I live through process, it is a draft. And we continue to revise and rethink and tear down and rebuild. And I think, you know, that's part of the whole process of deconstruction, that we can go through those cycles of things. Um, And I loved how she described it, that we can be a, a work, a written work as draft rather than final copy. And I think religious leaders, spiritual leaders would do quite well to embrace that perspective for themselves, I think, because I think a lot of them are asking questions that they feel locked away in, but also mm-hmm. if they're going to engage with people in their communities that are asking these questions instead of insisting there must be final copy to go, okay well let' let's see this as draft work, okay let's go with this.
0: When people ask questions, they, they they're wrestling with something because they they're uncomfortable with something within their faith, within their religion, you know so it's not just Christianity mm-hmm. per se the questions that they ask, that they bring to the table are often like like tools that they've been given by others. Mm. There's something going on personally within them that they're wrestling with around the meaning of God, the transcendent, you know, the reality of what you can and can't experience and what you're supposed to believe and the discrepancy of behavior, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So mm. there's a lot that's going on within them. And then they hear something voiced and they go, okay, I, th- I think that's what I'm working with. And they bring that to the table. And I think too often it's easy to template someone as though they now belong to another group. Mm. And I think that, that kind of stuff is often an un, 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 unhelpful. And, and I feel like I, I experienced some of that in terms of my own process. Um, if I think back to, mm. to, to my experience around the, the the language of, of God and embracing feminine language and engendering God in masculine and feminine ways and accepting mm. that as opposed to, um, as opposed to de-gendering God, you know, like like mm. lack of a, a concept. And as I started working with and wrestling with language for that, I, I had people basically go, okay, so you are now part of that group. And I've gone, what do you mean? I didn't even know that group, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know them. I'm not joining them. I have no idea who they are, I, you know, like I'm not exposed to them. I, I'm going through a process and my process is, 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 is fueled by relational engagement with God it's not it's not an external process it's not uh, an idea that I started with that I'm chewing through it's primarily a personal process of transformation and relational engagement mm. but the way people responded was to basically go okay because you you' you've, you've changed therefore you into this thinking about the feminine divine and he has these templates. Of people that we, we we're upset with that doesn't match our facts. So now you're with them, and we're going to come at you with that. And and basically having to to chew through the fact that that often as people start deconstructing the conversation that they need to have, the conversation that they that's related to the process that they're going through is not the conversation that they end up having because they end up needing to defend themselves that they're not part of another group or the idea doesn't fit with that other body of thought, you know, formal body of thought that they may or may not be exposed to, but certainly the accused is a person that is challenging and is familiar with that. And so they're coming at them as though they are now part of that group or that body of thought or they've, you know, changed the following faith or, or whatever, or, mm. you know, quote, unquote, they're being led astray in the following way. So they're not being dealt with as a person who's got, Particularly valid fields that they're processing, <laughs> because it's, mm. it's it's more visceral than these are thoughts that someone is chewing through. It's actually it's actually they are as an embodied person experiencing uh, deep change. They might voice it intellectually, they might voice it emotionally, like whatever. But they're actually going through that process. But th- that's not that's not what's on the table. So when people try to censor them or when people try to engage them. it's almost like they shine a torch on them and they see their shadows falling into the other camp and then they come at them as though they're in that camp as opposed to they're an individual who's asking questions or going through a process and so it's, it's very easy when people start going is this a loving god that is going to condemn people to hell oh you're a universalist we know what that is and so and so often people get pushed into those boxes not because they arrived at them naturally, but because they are pushed into them by the people that are trying to censor them. And I, I wonder for wonder, how often that is the case for people and if that as, a, as an experience or an articulation of an experience gives some sense, you know, some kind of language for people as, as reflecting the process that they went
1: through. Now that's good. I like that. I, I want to just reflect quickly both to make sure that I'm on the same page and, and also just you know, for our listeners to just sort of take stock of that, because I think that's really important, what you just said. So essentially what I'm hearing you saying is that, so let me speak personally. So I have a personal experience myself as person with God as person is internal experience within me, which then leads me to ask the question, or perhaps I'm even, you know, I'm addressed with a question God says, do you think I'm going to send everyone to hell or whatever it might be? And when I share that experience with someone, that process is almost derailed, because it's easier to understand, oh, okay, I see you're just dabbling in universalist thought, or you're just Mm -hmm. becoming a pagan or a new ager or whatever else it is. And that's actually attempting to derail a process and move it into far more of an abstract, just conceptual discussion rather than meeting the person on those grounds and going, sure, you're having that person-to-person experience and this is leading you on a process. What's that like? Mm. What are you feeling? What are you hearing? Am am I kind of hearing you correctly there?
0: Very much along those lines in the sense that there isn't an awareness that you're speaking to someone who's going through a process. What's helpful to their process? What are they going through? How do I hear them and support them in that? It's it's I hear you saying something that goes against mm. what the checklist of what we're supposed to believe in order to be able to love, right? And and because I hear that, and because I'm I'm familiar with this the structure in my mind, there's a personal tension now between people. So it's not even as though it's being dealt with in a in a healthy way of going, oh well, let's flesh out your thoughts and do you know of this thing called universalism and why we don't believe in it. It's the mm. accusation that you are now a universalist, for instance. You know, I'm, I'm just using universalism mm. as, as an example. Yeah. And, and it fits, it fits in, in, in with, with any of the other things as well, because the accusation becomes that somehow you've broken the law. You've broken the mm. theological belief law that you are supposed to hold to the following position. And by voicing this question or by, by having this experience, this process that you're going through, you've made a break with this. You know, and I think mm. in that sense, there's 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 a human to human relationship or relational engagement that is that gets lost, um, mm. and the person often doesn't get hurt because they they're not necessarily templating into a universe, and that's not necessarily what they adopted. They, yeah, they're yeah. resting yeah. with their questions around the love of God and the sense of God's judgment or whatever. You know, who knows where they're going to land? You know, I, mm. I've seen people go through processes like that and land. So ultra conservative and religiously dogmatic that you know it's it, mm. it's hard to have a conversation with them, and then I've seen mm. other people land like very 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 open to to the sense of like what God's character is like as opposed to the judgmentalism you know so so they can land they can end up in that process in a very different way, but more often than not I I, I see people that. That, that are forced to make a choice to, as to now what do you believe? Well, you no longer believe the following, therefore you now believe the following. And they go, oh, okay, I do. And they don't mm. necessarily believe that. And years down the line, I find people starting to then unbundle from that new belief that they were forced into as well. So so mm. that, that ends up being challenging and it's right. a, it, it ends up being a difficult, like, you know, it's hard conversations to have with people because that original pain is still so bound up within it. You know that yeah. that 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 in the same way we can have. You know, if I think in psychology of of primary inferiority as a healthy thing. thing like uh, you feel inferior because you haven't done something right mm. Or you're not good at something and that's healthy but then there's superiority and inferiority complexes that both build off of that mm. I, I think in the same way people end up with belief complexes that are very difficult mm. for them to unbundle and that's where it mm. helps them to speak to people that specialize in deconstruction mm. and, and i'm i'm just chewing through this and trying you, you know in some senses just elaborating on on how i think that forms for people Because I've Mm. I've experienced a lot of that as I've raised questions, as I've processed stuff.
1: I'm sort of wanting to sort of pursue this derailment idea a little bit more. Are you equally saying that that people's energy, for for lack of a better phrase, your energy gets split. As somebody who's deconstructing, you're already expending a certain amount of energy on dismantling belief systems and questioning and all those sorts of things. And it's almost then like fighting a battle on two fronts. Because not only have you've got energy going on internally in terms of your own process, but you're also almost having to <clears throat> if you're able to willing to consciously aware of what's going on et cetera et cetera, you have to fight off these accusations, especially if they're quite aggressive yeah. of oh well, now you're a universalist and and it's so not only are you sort of people are not connecting with you in the process in which you're at and so you're almost isolated some to some extent and 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 I'll reflect just now. I think, you know, that's been part of my experience as well. Mm. You feel as though you're one of the few people or the only people asking this question. But at the same time, you're also then one of the only people having to fend off all these accusations. Now, I'm not saying I'm a universalist. Yes, you are. You know, fit our little boxes and I mean, I know the the human brain doesn't like this kind of complexity. we We really battle to hold that kind of complexity. And so we prefer a lot of the structured stuff and and you know let's just figure out what boxes people fit into. then life is a lot easier to live. Mm. And we actually have to work quite hard to hold the complexity and go, okay, well, I'm not just going to put you in a box, I'm just going to stay open, I'm going to stay curious, I'm going to keep asking questions, I'm not just going to say you're a universalist. So I can see why it happens, but, I'm rambling a little here. I, th- I think the question is, are you equally saying that then people are having to fight not just their sense of isolation and their deconstruction, but also fend off these accusations that are trying mm. to place them in camps? Because I hear you saying some of them accept that placement.
0: Yes. But I think yeah, yeah. I've,
1: I've, I've, I've fought off that, some of that as well, just going, no, I'm, I'm not going to be known as that. Mm. Mm. But then I, I sometimes feel, you know, a month can go by and you, you look back and go, I've been mean, spending all this time arguing with this guy on why I'm not a this. <laughs> and I have barely got around to what am I, actually? Yeah, yeah. What, what am I? How am I? If I can put it this way, there have been times in my life where I feel as though I've argued so much hu- with in the human-to-human realm mm. with so many people throwing accusations and throwing mud and, and you feel as though you've got to fight to clean up your character and... You know, it's, it's, it's quite multifaceted depending on where you're at. Uh, a lot of this was at the point at which I had some sort of leadership position in a Christian church. Mm. And so there's a sense of, you know, I've got to make sure my character is clean and people are not dragging me through the mud. And what is my, you know, what's my boss going to think and my church going to think and these people are calling me this. And I would sort of at the end of a month think back and go, Jeepers, when is the last time I spoke to God? Just to put it that simply. Because I've expended all this energy on this human to human fighting off these accusations that I haven't had enough time to dig back into, you know, the question I felt I was asking, which is, who am I, as I go through this process, and sometimes because that question was instigated, even, I felt God saying, well, who are you? Mm. Who am I, says God to Steve, as well. And so I, I'm, that's some of my experience. Perhaps that I'm just sort of mixing in here. Are you equally saying that? I'm wondering. I'm, I'm feeling some of that myself.
0: Very, very much. So. I think. Mm. I think for me that, that that is spot on because because that is that that is often the case when someone is asking the questions that they're needing to process, they're needing to arrive at answers as opposed to being boxed in something that they they haven't formally agreed to, and I think that's 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 often the case is that. Is that for for people that are often formally trained and in leadership? There's a lot of, you know, there's 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 there's, there's, there's a lot of like uh, ideas, a lot of theological stuff that they've got that they go, okay, this is what we believe, this is what we understand the church to be, and why and we understand the history and all that kind of stuff. And when someone comes mm. along and they're asking questions, it's easy to go, yeah, but it's because you don't understand. If, if you would just let me teach you and tell you, and then you accept that. <laughs> <laughs> tell you who you
1: are, yes. You know,
0: so, so one of the things that I, I, I had um, had recently, um, within the last couple of years, for instance, as well, was, was someone basically going, oh, I've been thinking about the church, and maybe it's the following. And basically, you know, week after week, they're going, come to church, and your coming to church is synonymous with God. So, so mm. Tim, if you're really back into this ministry thing, you've got to be doing this church thing. And I go, no you know, <laughs> mm. and, and for them to, to then push that. And then when I gave a deconstruction or gave an answer to that, the the answer was always, well, I don't know about that. I'll think about it. I'll get back to you as in the open-ended. I'm never going to get back to you. Nudge, <laughs> nudge, wink, wink, right?
1: But Let, then to let me come mark at... your personal essay and then mark you as having failed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'll tell you whether you've passed.
0: <laughs> and then, and then, basically, to come that, back at me a couple of months later and go, "Well, here's my thoughts," and basically try to punt the same <laughs> thing again and go, "Like, like, come on, like, 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 if you're really going to punt that, you you have to build a better argument because your argument is bad, right?" And, and also, I'm not going to let myself get boxed that way. So, so at least then I I was aware of some of those dynamics and aware of. What I, um, you know, like like Jesus said, you've got to be as innocent as doves and as wise as serpents. As, you know, it, there I, I had the clear sense of of like I, I know what I'm going to get boxed into, so I know what I'm going to shortcut and how I'm going to respond and basically go. That's not the game I'm going to play. I'm not going to play the game where I'm supposed to agree with you and I'm just supposed to go along with something that I don't that I don't believe in. Mm. Instead, I'm going to up the ante and go, well, you've thought about this. Well, yes, look, I've thought about this and here's the following. And in that, it was very clear that the, although there was the veneer of I'm thinking about this and I'm open to conversation, what they were putting forward was expected as a conversation closer. It was put mm-hmm. forward as the whole thing of, of you're supposed to agree to this because this is the page we're on. This is the page our movement is on this is the page the historical church is on and as opposed to the recognition of going no this is that's your understanding of it and your understanding is partial and limited you know as is mine and so mm. and so if you if you are going to construct that let's see if it stands you know and so i'm happy to peer review your thoughts and you welcome to peer review mine but that mm. wasn't a negotiation it actually just it just it degenerated <laughs> um and i think yeah, that's yeah. often the case as well as people are deconstructing when when someone go when someone is willing to go yes i will just accept what you say and i'll come back and i'll stop asking questions then it's okay why because you believe and you behave now you can belong when someone goes mm-hmm. no i don't accept that or i'm going to challenge that or i think that's wrong then the relationship actually divides and i think i think for me that that that's both a tragedy and a blessing because as Mm. people are divided from the church and the community of faith as they process their stuff and they continue processing and journey especially if it is in relational engagement with god where they land at is in so much of a better place and they often end up just contributing so wonderfully to other people's lives
1: on the one hand i I'm you know, I'm completely with you. And on the other hand, I would want to to sort of build a bridge for anyone who's listening in those early stages where they're dealing with just this. Jeepers, I can remember at some point it felt like a storm, man. It was just like this never-ending storm of accusations of different people. And and you start to get um it's like high anxiety almost at least that what I went through, you 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 run into someone at a church gathering and you're just immediately on high alert. Like, what do I tell this person? <laughs> don't tell this person. What do I let slip? How am I careful, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just going to manage myself so I don't get just another flurry of accusations or misunderstandings or, you know, that thing that you're talking about. Oh, uh, okay, you know, you're one of them. Oh, thanks. Well, nice to meet you too. You know, my name is Steve. Um <laughs> And so just to help build a bridge, like, you know, those moments really suck and, and, and the early stages can be horrendous and, and sometimes the early stages are actually quite mild. It's a bit like climbing a mountain and you hit these just sort of long grassy slopes and it doesn't feel all that bad and all of a sudden you're on a cliff face ice climbing without <laughs> the tools <laughs> with this wind that wants to rip you off and throw you into the void. And, and if anyone who's listening has felt that or is feeling that, you know, I would, I would echo what Tim says. I, I think on the other side of that, there is, there is great blessing for going through the deconstruction process. And I think you can look around to uh, suddenly feel like I'm going to fall back into church language, the testimonials, the testimonies of the people who've gone before. But I think there's something in that, of people who can say, you know, I've been through that and, you know, just we're thinking through Brian and, and David and I've been consuming some of their stuff over the last few weeks as I've been preparing for tonight. And I'm amazed at how happy – I just can't get a better word. They're just, they just seem content and okay. And, you know, despite some of the things that they've talked about and specifically, David, that they've gone through, you know. I mean, I, I listen to some of his Instagram live stuff, and he's just, like, out there telling the whole world that he loves them. <laughs> it's just I'm thinking <laughs> – Oh, you know, and I, th- I think about what he shared, about what he went through, and he reached that space. And is listening to some of his YouTube stuff, I, I watched a, a really weird. Go and check out his YouTube channel. There's these two young Australian dudes who interview him. It's like a three-minute video, and they launch a bunch of these accusations at him. Are you with this? Are you with that? Are you with the next thing? And it's like a game they're playing <laughs> to see. You know, <laughs> they've got a tally of what they think he's going to say yes and no to, and. And it's, are you a universalist? Are you a this? Are you a bitter Christian? Are you a a supportive of gay lifestyle person? All this sort of stuff. And just, I was just watching his face as he responded. And I couldn't pick up any of that bitter, like, oh, why do you ask me that? Get stuffed, you know? He was just kind of laughing away and going, no, people try to call me that. Or, you know, at the moment, I see he's been posting on Instagram every now and then he posts a comment of like somebody who's written in the last one <laughs> was brilliant it's just this one name guy who calls himself don and his quote is wtf is this crap question <laughs> 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 yeah. mark exclamation and to think that someone has come through kind of some of what he's experienced and he's in the space where he can actually just share that freely like hey this dude stumbled across my stuff and thinks it's rubbish you know haha okay so be it let's move on with life that's almost what I point to and I listen to the two of them speak and go, wow, there, there, is a, there is an opportunity at the end of some of this to just emerge as that fount that you're talking about. But the moments that you experience, the here and now, the rejection, the you know, in psychology we call it operant conditioning. So you experience positivity when you behave in a certain way, but as soon as you step out of that, you're going to experience immediate negativity. And so negative operant conditioning is where we will immediately remove the positive reinforcement that we've been, you know, providing to you over a length of time. And it's supposed to signal, it's a social learning construct thing, supposed to signal, okay, what just happened? They stopped telling me I'm doing well. They stopped supporting me. They stopped visiting. They stopped inviting me, whatever it is in church circles oh crap, I've done something wrong, but it's meant to correct you and push you in a certain place. And so, you know, people are experiencing that it sucks in the moment and it's it's hardcore. And so I would never downplay that. I don't hear you, Tim. No, no, that no, no, no.
0: I, 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 I definitely, but very I definitely much, don't mean to yeah, do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But very much on the other side, I, I do think I agree with you. There's, there's some amazing spaces and I've been able to journey with people in some of their deconstruction only really on the strength of I've gone through some of those values myself and some of that real painful stuff and those storms of accusations. And I can resonate with other people going, they called me a heretic. <laughs> it's like they want to burn me at the stake. And I go, yeah, yeah, I know. I get you. I get that. I've been there.
0: Brian McLaren, for instance, has become synonymous with deconstruction. And to think of that as building of the foundation of a, of a community that was willing to do, go through the journey together with him. You know, if we had if we had more communities that were willing to do that, even on some of the uh, um, the tougher issues, <laughs> that that the the issues that they find tough, I should say. You know, I I think I think overall there could be a net positive contribution. But I think I think the stories of like again, like Brian stand out because they are so rare. You know, it is so rare that someone is possibly affirmed like that. But then if I think of like someone like David, whose, whose experience is so common in the rejection, of how he also stands out as an absolute gem, you know, I um, you know, I think it's all kudos to to, to him in terms of character and journey for owning his stuff and processing it and, and, and landing there. So so in many ways I think I think whatever God's gonna do to bring people there is going to happen anyway. But the experience, the positive, the negative experience, the, 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 the pain and the, the good stuff along the way of getting there, I think that, that story is just so unique for everyone.
1: You know, it, it, some of this leads me on to, I kind of want to ask you to kick us off on that second thing that we were, we were going to talk about, this idea of, of deconstructing or breaking with one's tradition as an act of faithfulness. Because I think that's, that's often one of the accusations that comes to people. Is this is an act of unfaithfulness? You are letting us down, you know, you you you're breaking the contract we have as this team. We're supposed to stick together, we're supposed to believe the same things, et cetera, et cetera. Do you want to kick us off and give us some thoughts around why? Why is this an act of faithfulness and who we or what are we being faithful to if we do move into deconstruction or break with tradition? And, and our tradition,
0: you know. Our faith is, in that sense, a rich heritage of de- deconstructors. If, if you think back to many of the Old Testament prophets, they, they're often mm. in situations where the institution is fully supportive of some king who's a massive chop, right? <laughs> and the prophet is a lone individual basically going, nah
1: <laughs> You've got to this write is... a Bible commentary. <laughs> Test. Uh, uh, that's a great chop. Idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. It'll be like a short one, like <laughs> a hundred-page commentary of the whole Bible. And this guy was a chop. This guy was a chop. This guy was a chop. <laughs> okay. Carry on.
0: You know, and and the person who's genuinely hearing from God is the person that basically has to betray the institution, betray their king, betray their prophetic system. And the priestly system that they that they're a part of in one way or another throughout all of that kind of stuff, and basically go, uh, guys, no, this has gone mm. wrong. And then they their life becomes hell. You know, classically mm. the prophets were welcome. They had they had gifts like stones and <laughs> knives <laughs> that were Spears. given to them you know and vigorously I mean people were very very generous and uh, supportive in, in, in throwing those things at them right so 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 I think I think in the Old Testament for instance in in the Tanakh there's a there, there's there's so many layers there that is that is we see so many examples of deconstruction and it's not just in relation to kingship, it's in relation to society and the religious systems and all that kind of stuff. There's so much in it. Within Jesus as well, as a, as the Messiah who, who comes, for him to read the, those words from Isaiah and to stop that paragraph short, you know, to go, mm. you know, um, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He's called me to preach good news, to free the captives. Recovery of sight mm. for the blind, to heal the sick, et cetera, et cetera. But he stops mm. short of the end of that paragraph, which is the day of yeah. repentance of our God, and people mm. get upset with him. For him to do that is for him to make a break with what is expected of him to do in that context. You know, mm. he he you know, what did he not finish the reading? It it clearly was not well represent well, uh, well, uh, accepted. You know, he did mm. he clearly did something wrong there for that relationship to go so wrong so quickly when he started mm. out there, you know, so, mm. so there's that. But then throughout history, you've got exactly the same thing. If I think of the monastics in relation to Christendom leading up to the Reformation, you know, there was a stage where the church responded and said – we are banning the Bible and people from reading it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's in the in the era where the, where the monastics are going, guys, you should really read the selection from the Bible. You know, there's this guy called Jesus. There's this stuff about mm-hmm. his life. Read this in your own language and meditate on it. And the mm. institution of the church then goes, no, we're going to ban the Bible, and this is this is wrong, you know. So, so, so they had to be unfaithful and break within Christendom. So, it's, it's monasticism within Christendom was was at odds with it. If you even think of the Reformation and people like Johann and and others who put forward books like True Christianity and others. They're, they're questioning the Reformation from within the Reformation and, and afterwards and even pietism ends up being a break with Christianity because it's basically going, hang on, there's something there's something wrong here. We, we're having to break this with the institution. And that happened right from the start within Christianity. You think of orthodoxy being established and someone popping up and going, I'm from Rome, I'm the Bishop of Rome, I'm in charge. And, and, the, and, and within that generation, people go, no, uh, we don't accept that, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It, it happens right from the start, you know, and so um, you know, Eastern Orthodoxy the same thing. So, so we've got an institutional breaking where they're basically going, no, we're trying to be faithful to something else, even though they look pretty much the same. There's, there's a break there to be faithful to something, and that's mm. that's present throughout, you know, the Old and New Testament and Church history after that. Mm. And I think I think in the context of today, there are so many people that are having to make make breaks with things. If I if I think of Pentecostalism in Africa as I've encountered it as this lunacy and money grab, the the prosperity gospel stuff, right? Mm. Um, and I think of people having to break with that within their communities, and how that causes pain and sets. You know, children are are setting themselves against their parents, against the community that they're raised in, to go, this is not right. The poor are being exploited. You are being exploited, and you're going to side with them when I stand up against them. You know, there's that same prophetic trajectory I see coming through. Several of our contributors in this season have been American. When I think of what they're going through with evangelicalism there, and uh you know, the political radicalization of Christianity and and stuff like that. And and I hear some of the subtexts coming through, and we we haven't dealt into that. I I see people basically breaking with their tradition because they're being faithful to God and their religion is now out of sync with the reality of what it's supposed to be. So it's an institution that's supposed mm. to enable faith, it's supposed to support and cultivate it, and and now it's become a something else. And they're basically going, we've got to break with that. Mm. And and much of our deconstruction, much of the deconstruction that we've we've raised is a similar kind of stuff where, where um, you know, I uh, I guess I'll speak for myself when I when I say some of the things that I say, <laughs> and people get upset mm. with me and they defend the institution of the church, they're defending it because they're defending it b- because they believe they're being faithful to God by defending it. As mm. opposed to me, who goes, no, 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 no. I'm critiquing it and I'm rejecting it and saying this is nonsense because I'm being faithful to God by doing that. And that's that's the tension, you know that's that's mm. the tension, and that's where the the question of faithfulness comes in. know that that to be faithful to god sometimes is to walk the plank of going into the desert you know Mm. um you know it's to walk the plank of basically go you know i'm going to give up my job and my career in this because because this uh, this institution that we've got that's not what we signed up for you know and Mm. and often there's a generation that forms a new institution with that identity in mind, and then the next generation has to make that break with them. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and we see that so often as well. And so, so that's, that for me is just a, a short rambling analysis of, of what I mean by saying that that, that the, the having to break with the faith, having to basically go, this Christianity is actually not Christianity. This, this church is actually not the church. This institution is not the ecclesia, you know that kind of stuff. Like often we're breaking with the faith by doing that, but we, we're doing it for the purpose of connecting with God.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a relational purpose behind that. It's probably the first sort of sort of phrase that pops to mind. I, I remember I'll, I'll share a, a quick experience of mine. I remember having to preach one evening at the church where I was employed. And on the Monday morning, when I connected with uh, the person who is my mentor, and one of the first things he said to me was, he said, as I thought you were going to denounce all of us from the pulpit and, <laughs> uh, and denounce what's been going on and all the rest of this sort of stuff. Because I had had an experience that week mm. during the week. I remember sitting in this place. I was listening to someone speak and I remember just going, yeah, this just doesn't feel right. This, this, I'm not connecting with this anymore. You know, five years ago, three years ago, even I would have connected with what that person was saying. And I can distinctly remember this, this sense of, okay, well, I can hear what's being put forward. And I didn't have the tools at that point, you know, to be able to say, you know, this is kind of institutional language or whatever it might be versus potentially what might be the relational connection with God. But I can remember sitting there and going, God, it, it, what do you say about this? What have you got to say about all of this? What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then having this conversation with God, and, and it really threw me. Mm-hmm. And I came out of, I think that was a Tuesday morning, I came out of that going, what on earth do I believe? It felt mm-hmm. as though it had rocked my foundation to the absolute core. And it was a miserable week, partly mm-hmm. because I knew I was expected within the institutional um, sort of operation, you know, this, the operations of this institution to stand up in a few mm-hmm. days and tell people some certainties about mm-hmm. God. I was there to reinforce some ideas, some doctrine, et cetera. That, that was my role at that point. Mm-hmm. And I can remember telling people, I don't have a sermon. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I've got nothing. This thing happened to me and it's completely thrown me. All I can tell you is that you just got to hold on to Jesus. I remember saying that. And mm. it's like the shortest I've ever spoken. I sat down after three minutes or four minutes or something <laughs> feeling like, well, that was an absolute disaster. And this guy, you know, to his credit, he he was also somebody that, as I look back, I would I would say, I would use the language of deconstruction. And he had helped me quite a bit through things. Mm. But he said to me like, Oh, man, I don't know what was going on. You didn't give me any idea this was coming. <laughs> I thought you're going to denounce us all and just say, I don't know, you're leaving for an ashram somewhere. <laughs> um, but as I look back into that week, I go that for me was an experience of kind of who, who am I going to be faithful to versus potentially what am I going to be faithful to? Mm. Am I going to continue just within this kind of this trajectory of doctrine or dogma you know even worse and just drink in what's being said well am I going to have some kind of relational interaction with this being that I know speaks to me and I speak to it and we have a connection and I and and what's going on tell me what you have to say about this and it really threw me. And so this is no sort of heroic story about, you know, yay, I came out and I clung on to Jesus and let go of the institution of the church. That wasn't it. It was a really weird space. But as I look back, I think that's some of what was going on there. As I, as I, I just had a sense of, like, no, I've got to hang on to this being rather than potentially any of the other trappings of what's going on here. Um, and even that maybe sounds a bit more successful than that week was. <laughs> but, um, but it makes me think of that. You know, when you talk about the the faithfulness unfaithfulness paradigm, I'm going to call it that. We're going to trademark that. There we go. Um, yeah, it just makes me think of that when you when you speak about that idea.
0: There's there's so much by way of conformity in society. There's so much by way of of almost. You, you're you're a people group who has a belief in an identity, and 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 if if you're out of sync with that, it's it's difficult for you, you know. And so mm. I, I think I think of 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 how deconstruction like this carries through to things to to questions of race, to questions of politics, um, economic systems, uh, belief systems, all that kind of stuff. And there's a similar kind of dogmatism often across the board that everyone experiences. But it's just difficult. It is difficult for people to to deconstruct. It's difficult for people to earn those questions. And and I think it's important to acknowledge that, especially when people feel like they're alone. You know, like like you're alone in having those questions, and now you're surrounded by a whole bunch of people that you thought were your friends, but but now they're coming for you. <laughs> you know, the, and the pitchforks are out in some cases. It's very difficult for the deconstruction to remain primary over the defending yourself or the preserving yourself. That's where a lot of what David says around the don't, don't quickly rush into your new beliefs. Don't, don't quickly try to rush into filling the void. I think it's such wise mm. advice because often that's what pe- people do. They go from one fundamentalism to another. They go mm. from one uh, uh, identity politic to another identity politic. And I think overall social media, I'm just recognizing as not being a healthy place, (laughs) especially not for any kind of nuance, you know, it's like forget, forget forget people misinterpreting what you put into 140 characters in Twitter. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> it's, it, it's that, that doesn't matter. You can expand that 10, 20-fold, 100-fold, you know, on through things like mm. Facebook. It's going to go as pear-shaped, you know. And so mm. so I feel like I'm processing a lot of that at the moment and just going, hmm, mm. yeah, it's not a good space. There's got to be better spaces. Steve, there's got to be better spaces. Let's create some more better spaces.
1: There has to be, and I, I, I'm with you. I, th- I think, I, I wonder whether... Perhaps there's some sort of, I can see parts, maybe little bits of this starting to emerge, some sort of global trajectory towards spaces where people can do this kind of deconstruction. Mm. I I see some online communities that are, I hesitate to just glibly use the the phrase creating safe spaces, because I Mm. think that can be a bit loaded sometimes. But I do think that it is important to have safe spaces, Mm. you know, to to be able to do some of this work. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Let's start a hippie community. And, <laughs> I'm sorry, hippies, I'm not picking on you. I'm just kidding. Yeah, there, there have to be spaces in which we can do this and in which people can unite. And, you know, I'm not suggesting starting the first church of deconstruction because <laughs> I think that's <laughs> heading in the wrong direction. Um, deconstruction is right.
0: one verse one.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. The latter church of the former deconstructionists. Yeah, there must be good ways to do this. Uh, although I think in some ways, you know, this is just a forming thought that's just coming to me right now. I do think there's something about the lonely sort of profit and that journey. I think there's something of it. You know, I think of Jung and his ideas around individuation and that you actually have to be able to face life yourself, which is not to say that we don't have social interaction and support, et cetera, et cetera. But there, I think there is something to be said for the for the journey that only my soul can take and no one else can take for me but there must be ways that we can also you know greet and meet each other and sustain each other along the way and and pool you know coalesce and and then sort of move on and disperse and and that sort of stuff without it becoming too overly formalized with it being you know this is something that you you you've, you've brought up quite often and we've grappled with through season one as well is how do you form groups that are relationally motivated where that is the priority in the human to human, the human to divine, where it just doesn't get bogged down in being too formal and formalized. I'm convinced all that there are ways to do that. It may not be easy and it might never look like a mega church or some huge, I don't know, mosque attendance if I'm going to skip religions. Uh, Sorry Muslims for picking on you there for a second. But there must be ways to be able to hold the integrity of relational uh, of the priority of relational interaction human to human and human to divine without it becoming formulaic where we can be individuals and we can be in community and all of the complexity that goes with that and we can listen well to each other and we can take interest in curiosity in each other's process. I'm just reminded as I say that somebody who's been listening through season 1 and 2 to us and I've had quite a bit of engagement with got hold of me this week to say they haven't they hadn't even bothered to think of listening through the introduction to season 2. They just thought ah it's just one of those throwaway episodes where we just blab on about who's going to be on the podcast basically. But then on a whim they thought they'd listen to it and they were really blown away, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, trumpeting our horns here, but just this idea of listening deeply to each other, deep listening that we talked about. And it had really struck them as what a wonderful paradigm to engage with. They were talking about their kids specifically. And I thought, yeah, man, that, that for me is has to be one of the fundamental, it's got to be a foundation stone in any kind of community is the ability to really listen and stay curious to other people's process and journey and to stay relational. It's got to be a way yeah. for us to do that.
0: Very much so. I'm looking forward to picking that up off the list of, 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 of what we're going to be focusing on in future and uh, really giving some, some solid time to it and, and, and a season to it.
1: Absolutely. I, mean, I just feel like it might be, um, I don't know, sometimes I belabor the points. So I'm going to do it quickly in 30 seconds or less. You know, to, to our listeners, I, I think that's why I keep issuing the invitation Um, and Tim has done it as well and we we do it sometimes as we post things to Facebook or whatever to engage you know uh, and it's not necessarily that you just have to do it with us I think I'm just sort of thinking around the idea of the invitation to continually engage with people who might be asking some similar questions or might be supportive of your questioning I think it's so important to be able to reach out and go hey I hear you asking some similar stuff can we have a coffee or a Zoom call or connect on Skype or whatever it might be and so I just kind of want to, you know, I, I feel like we're sort of drawing to an end here. Just highlight that. Just be in touch with people and, and and coalesce around those people. Look at those. Look for those communities. Be the kind of person who can start some of that sort of community stuff, or just engage relationally with one other person. It could be great for them, it could be great for you. It's been great for us. We'd love to hear from you. We really would love to chat with you. Love to be curious about your process. Come and be curious about ours. Come ask us questions, we'll ask you questions. It would be wonderful.
0: Thanks for joining us for, uh, for another episode, and especially for a bonus episode of our, uh, our reflections just as the season is going on. You know, I'm, I'm loving the interaction the conversations I'm having with, with everyone around us, and loving the conversations that we've had with our participants and each other.